Hi, welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Podcast from Interval for the week of February 19, 2009. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, and I'm here with Adam Meyer. Hey. Design director at Interval, and Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us again this week. We got a number of things on tap. The first one should be a, a spirited discussion uh, through Twitter. I think this was earlier in the week. Uh, someone had forwarded an article from Florida about physicians who are forcing their patients to sign a waiver or a contract or something uh, that requires them to promise that they will not post Internet comments <laughs> about the physicians <laughs> without permission. Now, let me get through this, Adam, before you jump in. Uh, it says, patients will promise to, quote, will, they will, quote, will not denigrate, defame, disparage, or cast aspersions upon, unquote, the doctor, and will do all in their power to prevent friends or family members from doing so. Published comments on web pages, blogs, and or mass correspondence, however well intended, could severely damage the doctor's practice, the agreement says. The ban applies, this is even better, the ban applies whether the patients identify themselves or remain anonymous. So this is one way what? the healthcare industry is responding to <laughs> social media and the internet and transparency. Got any thoughts on that, Adam? Uh, that blows my mind. That is ridiculous. That, Isn't that amazing? That's absurd. That's crazy. I would, I would not go. I would not go to a physician who did that. Right. And that was a lot of the chatter on Twitter when people were bouncing this back and forth of, uh, you know, well, my reaction or whoever was saying this would be to walk out. And I've seen some follow up from patient advocates. And, uh, for example, the woman who runs Angie's List responded to it saying, well, this is just ridiculous. And, you know, my response was, hey, instead of worrying about what people if, if you're worried about what people are saying about you, maybe you should focus on giving them a better experience yeah. instead of trying to shut them up. Uh, apparently there is a company out of, let's see, Medical Justice, a North Carolina company that was organized in 2002 to prevent frivolous lawsuits. It launched the effort against internet libel in 2007 uh, and provides this contract to uh, physicians uh, which a representative in this article, and I'm reading from an article in Florida Health News, and we'll, we'll post a link to this in our uh, show notes, but that more than 2,000 doctors, and he has, this organization has more than 2,000 doctors, uh, members, <clears throat> three, 300 of which are in Florida, but he, it's not clear how many are using this document. So his, his quotes are, people who post comments under the cloak of anonymity can wreak havoc on a doctor's reputation and practice, there's no accountability, he said. Anyone with an axe to grind, a disgruntled former employee, a competitor, an ex-spouse, can pose as a patient to make statements that the doctor has no opportunity to refute. So there's a few things in there. I, th I understand where the fear is coming from. Uh, first of all, to say you have no opportunity to refute it is usually wrong. Right, Almost any right. of these venues, uh, if anybody can post, and certainly the physician has an opportunity to post. Uh, but this is, this is the way of the world. Uh, you know, just because there are now tools to put it on the Internet, uh, you know, where was the disclaimer before that you had to sign that you wouldn't tell anybody? You know, word of mouth is the number one driver of patient decision making. Uh, it's not advertising. It's not online tools. It's not 
uh, chat rooms or message boards still to this day. So why don't you make them sign something to say they won't say anything negative to anybody? Forget right. about it on the Internet. You're speechless, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just so absurd. I mean, and that it's not, they're not, it's not unique to them. I mean, any company faces that, any individual faces that, any professional, a lawyer, a carpenter. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason that websites like Angie's List exist. So that somebody like me who's searching for the best company or the best individual to come in and fix my shower drain that's backing up in the basement, that I can find the guy who's, who's a jerk and who I, you know, maybe here's, I found a great website or I looked in the yellow pages and just, here's the guy, this guy had the biggest ad. So I was tempted to call him first, but now I can go to Angie's list and find out that the guy is a complete D bag. So I'm not right. going to call him at all. Uh, so why can't, from a consumer perspective, that should most definitely be allowed to extend to doctors. Now, this just gets into a whole nother. Oh. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we had a little music interlude there. Jackie We're going to talk about out. the Pepsi logo, and we got some Pepsi music too. Thank you, that Jackie. That helps break things up, though. Adam was getting long-winded. No, <laughs> go ahead. What were you saying? No, it's it's ridiculous. The the what the the problem is the problem isn't people being allowed to voice their opinion online. The problem is people knowing how to filter what they're reading online, right. and people not getting their shorts in a bundle when there's something negative out there. Right. Um, because that's, that's how it works in a free society. Exactly. And, and there's all this talk of transparency. This is the opposite of transparency. Right. This, this is com healthcare communism. Healthcare communism or cloaking or I don't know what you would call it, but it's, uh, it, it certainly flies in the face of where everything is going and where it should go. And again, I understand the, I understand the, the fear here, uh, you know, the representative from this organization, another quote in the article says, we're not opposed to free speech. The problem is the whole notion of being able to post anything you want. Well, which is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what free speech is yeah, all about, yeah. being able to post whatever you want. Uh, and, and I understand that this is your point, Adam, that if you go and you look at a, um, a website that's got patient feedback on, on doctors, you don't know sometimes who's really behind it or right. if it's true. So there is an education process and a responsibility of the reader, of the viewer, or whoever, to, to understand how to vet those things. And, and Angie's List is different than uh, just somebody who's disgruntled writing a blog. There's some of the uh, Angie's List and some others provide filters, or if there is negative things, provide physicians an opportunity to provide feedback. So Patients, people, consumers need to be smart about what resources they're using, listening to, and believing. And that extends into any place that you get information, whether it's news that you get on a daily basis. I mean, you, you have to apply your personal filter to anything, whether it's the politicians speaking that you listen to. You know, that filter goes that you, that's everywhere. Right. I mean, you can't. I, I, my rule of thumb is that I don't really trust any resource out there you know I, you read one story from cnn you better read it again on the bbc to see what their take on right, it. you know because right. chances are there's gonna be an entirely different view view on it and yep. if you're only you, know, you really you color your own opinion on on something if you're only getting your information from one source right right and it's it, we've talked about this before but 
I don't even lo- read the comment sections on like the the local paper, the Star Tribune. No, no, I go to the website all the time, but I can't bear the comment sections. I, it's just Lord of the Flies with typos. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, well, that and it's yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times the local papers aren't as bad as some of the. I mean, you go to YouTube and it's nothing but right. Right. Just profanity laced. Yeah. And it always seems no matter what the topic is, it gets political. Uh, it's just bad right. content. And I just ignore it completely. So I don't know that I would really pay a lot of attention to patient feedback, but it would be part of the picture. Uh, but I just think this is such a back asswards way of dealing with it. It's so closed minded, head in the sand. When I Twittered about this, one of the problems with Twitter is once you put it out there, you can't take it back. <laughs> and I said it was an, a cl- another example of physicians with sand in their head instead of head in the sand. And then I thought, <laughs> well, maybe that is, a- <laughs> maybe that is appropriate. It, it just reminded me of like when, when Minute Clinic first came around and the reaction from the physician community was just, oh, horrors of horrors. You, this is awful. They're butchering people. Mm-hmm. This is... You know, if somebody's sick, they would never go here. and Or if they go there, they can't possibly be sick. Instead of opening their mind to a different channel or a different, you know, anything, a change in how things are done. Brutal. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I hope that, that not only do patients that are, are confronted with that walk away, say, you know, you can, you can, you know, take this and. Right. Well, what well, kind of a, describe what kind to of do a with signal it. does that send out? If, if, if I'm going to a doctor <laughs> who says you cannot speak about the experience you're about to receive, what does that tell me? It tells me that you're going to give me a crappy experience. Right. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Right. So I hope people not only do they uh, walk away from that, but I also hope there's kind of an uprising uh, that, that these physicians are outed, if you want to say that. And not only is it the patients that are coming in, confronted with this but others start learning of it and don't even show up in the first place because there should be a business ramification for treating your own customers that way Mm -hmm. which should be a loss of business a loss of customers at least in our opinion okay cool so let's talk about something that's not healthcare but uh related to what we're doing here and that's branding and identity and uh we've had some well we haven't had too much back and forth we thought we'd save it for the podcast uh but some different opinions on the new pepsi logo which launched when i uh, was it too long the ago. super bowl i think it was even before that I mean, at least i i remember seeing the old and the new before that maybe it officially launched the not too long band, ago though yeah, right yeah it was okay so what we're talking about is the uh beach ball which used to be uh well it still is red white and blue uh i, I can't remember what the old one looked like now so their work, their branding's working on me, uh, but what they've done is they've updated it. They've given it. Um, I'm the, I'm going to be on the pro side. I like it. So in my mind, it's refreshed. It's a little more modern. The uh, white stripe kind of zooms up. Uh, it's a little more fun, maybe engaging. Uh, so I like it, but I'm not. I'm I I think I'm in a minority. No, Adam, you're not a fan. No, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm Can not, you describe just, why? Probably because I really, I really like the old one, and the old one had a. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm a Pepsi drinker over a Coke drinker. You know, I pretty much drink whatever's on sale when it comes to colas. And if you, okay. if you put a Dr Pepper in front of me, I'm going to grab that before anything else. So it's really not because I love Pepsi, but I did like the old mark. I kind of like the nostalgia tied to it. I liked the. 
symmetry of it, which doesn't carry over into this one. Not that that's certainly a requirement for a good logo. Yeah, right. There's the old one. Um, I don't know. And there's something else about it that just kind of reeks of the whole web 2.0 and wow really well this that the whole feeling that you need to modernize your look for the sake of modernizing your look not because you think it is in need of a refresher because i don't i wouldn't say that their old logo was in need of a refresher I just I don't see I don't understand necessarily why that cha- why the change was made that well, was we don't made. know how long their old logo was around do we no but it's been around for a long I'm guessing it's I'm not sure if there was anything before that I mean that's been on like the old glass Pepsi bottles so so it's been around for a long time though is what you're saying so so it maybe it did need refreshing the the trick is. You know, if you're doing it constantly, I think, you know, from a from a practice standpoint, in other words, best practice for identity evolution, if you're doing it constantly, then you're, you know, it takes years, I think, for, for logos to kind of settle in. Mm-hmm. Pepsi's a little different because they spend millions and millions of dollars putting it out there. So most people are exposed to it instantly. But, uh, you know, if you don't, refresh it and we did something years ago looking at identity change and looked at uh, I can't remember if it was IBM or Xerox or something and the changes they made were very subtle along the way but they made them every five ten years right but when you compared where they were at at the time to where they started it was a dramatic difference Mm -hmm. and so you know for some folks who can't afford to they they kind of get stuck and we've had clients like that who have logos that look like they're or are 40 years old and and come across that way and need a dramatic update but for folks like pepsi ibm those who can afford to uh you know there is some sense in changing every five to ten years so that it's a gradual evolution Uh, it's not that dramatic well and you see you'll see like if you go back to that we're looking at a we can maybe thumbnail these on the site here once uh, or in the show notes right Um, but we're looking at a google search page right now and at the top of the results uh, just old pepsi logo is what we did a search on and there's a few images at the top um, and the first one is a good example of taking their old logo and they, they give it kind of a, a three-dimensional effect there with the glow because there's kind of a shadow on the side of the, you know, rather than right. being a flat image, it's a sphere. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's things like that that can be done with to even to your, to an existing logo and to, to not make it, I don't know, to not take it in the direction that they took the logo when they kind of redesigned it. I think, I think it's been referred to as the smile the new logo because the way that the wavy line that used to be symmetrical went through the shape now has this kind of this big grin, grin to yeah, it. It's, it's up. It's, it's positive up with people. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't, <laughs> and, it's, and I'm, I don't think it's a bad mark because I think it's a bad mark. I just don't necessarily agree with the, that evolution of the mark. It I reminds me of a sailboat. When you see it from afar, it looks like a sailboat on the ocean with a flaming red nuclear Holocaust sky behind it. <laughs> but it, it, I don't know. I, I think it's uplifting and I'm, I'm all good with it. Do you think, so we've talked about this before. Uh, a lot of people have, and I wouldn't put you in this camp cause you're a designer and forward thinking, but a lot of people struggle with change of any kind. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what they would have changed it right, to. Right. People would be uncomfortable with it cause that's what change does. And it takes time. Is there an element of that you think? In, no, in I don't think so. Because the backlash. There are other examples that um, another example of a change that happened not too long ago was UPS. 
don't know if you remember the old UPS logo, but it was like a line. It was a line drawing of like a package with a bow on the middle of it. Okay. Um, it was designed by, I think Rand, uh, very famous designer. Right. I know you're talking. The guy did IBM too. Right. He right. did some very famous marks. Right. Uh, and when they updated it again, it was really modernized. You know, to the new shield look that kind of has a, a three-dimensional appearance to it as well. And I guess the same argument was made there of the argument that I'm making now, although with that one, I actually kind of liked the update just because I never, for the sake, you know, I'm, people are going to probably want to shoot me for saying it, but as far as you know, some of the designers go, but I, I didn't really like the old mark all that much, you know, for what it did as a logo from, you know, my education and my personal experience in the past, it just honest wasn't. There's a lot of thin lines, which can cause a lot of problems yeah. in reproduction, depending on what you're using it on. Um, so I liked that evolution, and I liked the new mark. Um, I, and honestly, I har- have, have, have a hard time putting my finger on what exactly it is about the new mark for Pepsi that I don't like. And I think the, it doesn't matter, the Twitter link that I put up was probably a great example. I don't follow I, it. <laughs> did it have some humorous takes on it? Did you did you click it and look at no, it? No, uh uh-uh. uh. Oh well it basically it um well, I don't know if we can bring it up. Go to bring up go to twitter.com slash interval adam. And uh This makes for fascinating podcast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll link we'll link it up there <laughs> as well. Yeah, we'll link it. Right. Oh, <laughs> That's what okay. I see every time I look at the logo now. So the picture that we're looking at shows it puts a head it puts a head on the new logo. So the white swoosh in the middle turns out to be somebody's belly because the red shirt isn't big enough to cover their obese body. <laughs> so it's really, it's actually pretty funny. Now maybe I'll never look at it the same again. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. We'll put a link to that on our, on our homepage too. Or I'm sorry, on the, on the show notes. So moving on, I want to, I want to have one more rant before we go. And that is I saw a uh, blog post yesterday and I will, we'll find it and put it in the show notes, but it was basically somebody uh, saying, hey, for the last 10 years, every healthcare marketing conference I've been to has used Starbucks as an example of how you brand. Uh, but look at them now. They're closing stores. They're losing money. Uh, people are moving down and not willing to spend the money. Boy, doesn't that give you something to think about? And, you know, I kind of thought, no. No, I disagree with where that's trying to go because mm-hmm. – uh, you know, when we talk, we've talked about, we use it all the time. And, and the way we talk about it is the brand that Starbucks has built, one of the most successful, you know, in a given period of time in the world, uh, is really about all the things that surround the actual product they sell, which is coffee. And so we use that to kind of, you know, translate to healthcare. To build a strong brand, you need to build around the product, which would be the clinical care. And those are the things that are going to differentiate you. But clearly, Starbucks has done a good job of building a, a solid brand. Uh, to me, the first reason they started closing stores is because uh, they recognize that. And I think it's Howard Schultz, who's the CEO, former CEO, came back, recognized that by adding so many Starbucks, they were diluting their brand. By adding things like a drive through window, which means you can get their coffee without the experience, uh, that was diluting their brand. All the things they had done as part of their growth strategy uh, and, and also to speed up how many coffees they could actually, you know, sell in a given minute were diluting their brand. And so at first it was a uh, before the economy went in the crapper, it was a self-imposed reduction. 
knowing that we need to scale back and we need to really go back to our roots of our brand. So that, to me, uh, further reinforces why you brand. Certainly, they are suffering from the economy. Uh, I would kind of put it aside as who isn't. Uh, but, but they have established themselves as a high-end brand. I mean, clearly, you're paying your coffee, your $4 latte, you know, 350 of it is for the experience. And people know that, and that's right. why they go there. But when the crap hits the fan economically, as it has done in no time, since no time since the Depression, of course people are going to cut back. That's the, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That doesn't mean they made mistakes in their branding. Uh, an example of this is Walmart, who suffered mightily during the boom. Target kicked their butt, and they were trying to figure out, well, how do we be like Target, and let's introduce some new designs, and blah, blah, blah. Well, now the reverse. Now that people are really pinching pennies and looking at costs, they're going back to Walmart. That doesn't mean Target made a mistake in their branding uh, or that Walmart did initially either. Uh, If you're serious about branding, you stick by what makes you different and know that sometimes the market's going to be better for that and sometimes it's worse. Mm -hmm. So there. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that that was an extreme reaction to branding, and I, I don't think it undercuts. I think it reinforces why you brand. Right, right. No, I agree entirely. Cool. And you, but you said it earlier. It triggered my, triggered my thinking in that because you said, uh, I don't, I'll drink Pepsi. I don't, I'll drink whatever's on sale. Right. So, so in that case, you're less brand loyal when it comes to pop. Most right. people aren't, though. Most well, people in- are like kill me before I have a Coke or vice versa. Right, right. I'd probably prefer a Coke over a Pepsi. But, but you know, when it, comes to the, when it comes to the coffee shop experience, you know, I enjoy going down to, you know, we have Dunn Brothers down the street. Right. There's a little bike shop below us, um, both of which have some pretty nice chai tea lattes, which I'll drink either one of them. But at the same time, you know, sometimes for me it's about the taste. You yeah. know, I'll just as soon stop into Super America and get myself a Java Monster on the way to you know, the, the the mean bean one that's the creamy caffeinated. And if you have two of those things, you end up in the fetal position in the corner, <laughs> just shaking uncontrollably. But uh, you know, it depends on what I want sometimes too. So, and then it's less brand related because obviously right. the experience of walking into Holiday or Super America is obviously much but less let enjoyable. Me, I'm going to put you on the spot. I will drive by Holiday to go to Super America every single time. I only go to Holiday if my gas is on E and I don't have a choice yeah. or I need something urgently. Are yeah. you like that? Yeah, I actually. I don't know why. I mean, I don't think Super America is that much better in Holiday, but I am severely brand loyal yeah, when it comes yeah. to that. Right. Well, plus I use Wells Fargo for banking. And right. Here, all the Super there Americas right. use Wells Fargo. So I'm just, I'm kind of like trained to go yeah. there because of that brand tie. I mean, that's, yep. they've made an association with another brand that I use, therefore. Huge co-branding. Right success for Wells Fargo and for Super America. Mm-hmm. Yep. I relate them together. Until Wells Fargo goes belly up and and is the shame of the banking industry and then we'll decide whether we still want to go to Super America. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go there now. No. All right. Anything else you want to cover, Adam? Nope. Not nothing that uh, won't take too much time. So maybe we can save it for next save time. Save it for next time. All right. So I'm Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Check your taco. Say bye. <laughs> we'll get her own we'll microphone. There. That's right. One of these days, she's going to get her own microphone <laughs> and jump in here. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week for Intervals Healthcare Marketing Podcast. Take care.